Welcome to Empowered by Hope, a new podcast where we share our insights, optimism, and enthusiasm for medicine and all its possibilities. In each episode, we'll dive into the health and medical topics that matter most to you, our listeners, right here in Orange County, California. Hello again. Today, we are talking about a healthy heart, and we're joined by Dr. Lee F. Carter. He is a cardiologist at Hogue. Dr. Carter, we appreciate you being here. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Okay, let's get right into it. Talking about heart health, and I guess sort of a broad question here, but what are some of the ways that you can have a heart-healthy lifestyle? Kind of breaks down into two major categories. The first would be exercise, and the second would be diet. Uh, and I try and all of my patients to really stress these uh, issues. Starting with diet, the human tendency is to eat whatever you want, as much as you want, whenever you want. Sure. <laughs> and our taste buds get us to do that because they were designed to keep us from starving to death years ago. And now they're very maladaptive. So if you eat what tastes good, it often gets you into trouble. So I try to tell people, you know, don't, don't do that. Don't eat as much as you want. You know, maybe you need to cut calories. That's a little difficult for people because it means smaller meals. And that's not quite natural. The whenever you want, you hear about time-restricted feeding or intermittent fasting. Mm-hmm. Maybe you need to be hungry during part of the day. Maybe you need to move breakfast a little later or stop snacking at night so that your f- stomach is not full all day long. And then the last option, which is probably th- uh, where people pay the most attention, is the whatever you want. You know, should mm-hmm. you be able to eat you know, dessert and cookies and mashed potatoes whenever you want? Pro- probably not. I encourage a lot of my patients to keep you know, find certain things that they can cut out of the diet that aren't healthy. Most commonly, that's carbohydrates, the sugars, the starches, things along those lines. And if the patients cut those out, then uh, often they find that they can have less 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 problems. And so. I know you just mentioned carbohydrates there, but what are some of those other things? There's so much information out there about foods that are either heart healthy or non-heart healthy. You know, if I'm going to go and have an entire pizza, that's probably not good for my heart. But anything specific out there where you're saying, okay, this food is is actually a heart healthy food. Yeah. The problem is that there's not a lot of good nutritional science. There's a lot of observational uh, data that's been done sure. over the years. And so reports on what people have eaten and what their health has become after eating this, uh, it, it, it's out there, but it doesn't help us a whole lot. What I think is useful is to find something that is generally unhealthy and cut that out. So in general, I don't think sugar helps anybody. Mm. Uh, used to be thought that an alcoholic drink a day was good, uh, maybe two, two for men, yeah. one, one, one for women. And that's not true anymore. The data is pretty convincing that we okay. need to cut that out. Saturated fats, uh, some people are really of the belief that you can have a lot of those and not hit much trouble. The whole keto diet, paleo diet goes into that a little bit. But to a large degree, I think that keeping saturated fats out of the diet is going to help a fair amount of the people. A fair amount of people find their blood tests, their LDL, is going to mm. be a lot lower if they keep those out of the diet. You mentioned LDL. What are those? I mean, I hear that all the time, good cholesterol, bad cholesterol. Can you break down LDL for us? LDL is a component in the blood which tends to deliver fat out to the artery wall. And so, you know, it would be a whole long topic that I could yeah. go into for a great length of time. But in general, it's a lab test that you want uh, lower. There's a okay. lot of debate on whether that is what we should be measuring. Should we measure something more precise like LDL particle number? Should we measure the proteins on it called ApoB levels? But in general, your doctor is going to look at this lab and as a simplification say that we want that level lower because there's a good correlation between lower levels uh, and less hard attacks and strokes. And when a doctor recommends you need a lower LDL level, is it something that I can achieve quickly with a diet change and maybe some exercise, as you mentioned, or is this 
a lifestyle change that requires a lot of time? It, it can respond relatively quickly. Okay. So if you're careful with a diet, not everybody will respond to cutting out saturated fats, the mm-hmm. cheese, cream, butter, fatty meats. Uh, but to a, to a certain degree, uh, a certain number of people will find that uh, helps them. So an exercise definitely helps. For a lot of people, no matter how careful they are, they may find that they have high levels. Mm-hmm. Uh, and some people are lucky. And even if they're... Uh, you know, habits aren't great. They get good numbers. And in general, we go to medicine relatively quickly to help uh, bring those levels down. So as we start to bring this discussion onto the exercise side of what you were talking about, I don't know, is this a myth? I've, I've heard this before. Sometimes I adopt this policy. I can eat a pizza every day as long as I'm going to the gym. <laughs> does the Does the exercise balance the diet? Is it something where if I can eat fast food constantly if I know I'm going to the treadmill seven times a week? There is some truth to that. It's okay. very difficult to outrun a uh, bad diet, and that may apply more to the carbohydrates. Oh, I like that. It's very difficult to outrun a bad diet. Yes. You know, if you stop on the way home to get a you know mocha and a scone uh, at Starbucks before your workout, you're probably getting 800 calories in and you're going to burn 500 off on the right, treadmill. So right. it's pretty easy to ingest the calories. If you are an Olympic level athlete, you need those calories mm-hmm. just for fuel. And if you're a very active person, you need those for fuel. And so I think the previous advice where I said cutting out carbohydrates can be negated to some degree. The high school runners all have to do their carb loading before yep. exercise. And so there is there's a rule for that. You you are room for that. Uh, it's a fuel. Uh, I think the saturated fat, no matter how much you eat, uh, can get you, uh, or no, no matter how much you exercise, can get you into trouble. Yeah. So I think you need to be careful about that. Well, let's talk about getting into the gym now. And what's the recommended daily exercise, if you will, routine these days? I know the guidelines change over the years, but what's your recommendation? Uh, I follow the general guideline. The uh, the one you'll see most commonly listed is to do 150 minutes of moderate exercise a week. And so that's 30 minutes at a time, five days a week is a pretty easy way to do that. And you get a couple days off from exercise. And what I stress for my patients is find something they like to do. You know, if they love the Stairmaster, they should get on the Stairmaster. If they like to hike or the rowing machine, if they like to swim, but whatever they can comfortably do, uh, I would like them to do it. Because if I prescribe that, you know, going on an elliptical is the best because there's no impact for the joints and they hate the elliptical, Mm. then we're not going to have very much success. There's probably a little bit of room for doing outdoor activities. There is a study out of Copenhagen that suggests that team activities are good, that if you look at what people are doing for exercise, the longevity is best if you play tennis, badminton, golf, uh, outdoor sports. And maybe that's because they're social, maybe because they're outdoors, maybe because they're fun. I'm I'm not sure on that Mm -hmm. one, but there's, there's a correlation there. How about in the gym? Free weights versus cardio, do you need to incorporate both? Or if I'm a guy who goes to the gym and I never do cardio, but I just lift weights, am I getting enough exercise? You probably are. Okay. The the moderate exercise that I mentioned a minute ago pro- probably is useful. That uh, maybe not you know for somebody young, but for a lot of my patients in their 60s, 70s, and 80s, uh, they need to be able to maintain the fitness to do day-to-day activities. And certainly the ability to walk and get themselves around is, is very useful. So I think there's a lot of room for that. Uh, but the recommendations do recently add in strength training. Mm. 
that uh, muscle building is now suggested twice a week for a lot of people, and I've been suggesting that. Uh, and I think it's very important to get uh, get that in. And it's a little trickier to have an easy prescription because I don't mm-hmm. think it's as intuitively office as saying I go for a thirty minute walk. You know, most days, but something that is going to get the arms, the legs, the back, the chest uh, is useful and recommended. We had a fun chat before the podcast. What is your machine, if you will, of choice when you enter the gym? Well, outside exercise, as I mentioned, yeah. is, is, is my favorite. Uh, if I'm trying to get myself So you're avoiding the question already. No, outside I'm, I'm exercise. Headed, I'm, I'm leading into the question. <laughs> so, you know, I, I typically will use uh, three or four different machines because I try to avoid yeah. overstressing myself in any one way. Uh, St- uh, Stairmaster was yesterday. I will run uh, on a flat treadmill. I will walk on a steep treadmill, and I'll use a rowing machine. Those are probably the four I use the most. So you mix it up. I do mix it up. Good to hear. All right, a little information about Dr. Carter. He is a board certified in cardiovascular diseases and is a member of the American College of Cardiology. He has been on medical staff at Hogue and in practice for more than 25 years. He is currently the director of non-invasive cardiac testing at Hogue. Dr. Carter completed his undergraduate studies at the University of California, Irvine, where he graduated cum laude and was elected to Phi Beta Kappa. He graduated from the University of California, Irvine College of Medicine. He completed his residency in internal medicine and his fellowship in cardiology at UC Irvine Medical Center in Orange. He also completed a fellowship in interventional cardiology at St. Luke's Hospital's Mid-America Heart Institute in Kansas City, Missouri. Recognized by his patients as a caring and accessible doctor, he has been the recipient of the Patient's Choice Award as well as Compassionate Doctor Recognition Award in previous years. Dr. Carter's cardiology interest focuses on wellness, longevity, and prevention. His practice incorporates best practice strategies for health and strength along with medical intervention. He stays current on all aspects of cardiology, wellness, nutrition, and longevity research. Dr. Carter, we appreciate you being here. Thank you very much. And we thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Empowered by Hogue podcast. If you haven't already, please remember to like, comment, and review, and subscribe to catch all our future episodes. For more information on Hogue or to book an appointment, visit hogue.org. That's H O A G.org.